Hello and welcome to the Foreign Influence Podcast. I'm Bill. And I'm Nikolai. And we are here in sunny Singapore, as always. We are still practicing social distancing. Yeah, we are. We're doing this through Zoom. Everything's on Zoom these days. Oh my God. Work, friends, family, either Zoom or um, house party. Everything and everyone. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, because uh, here in Singapore, although we are not on what you would call a lockdown yet, uh, they are strongly, strongly, strongly encouraging social distancing. So we are doing this again remotely. I have to say, I could get used to this, Bill. Yeah. Because I can turn right? the video off. It's, I don't have to look at you the whole time. It's pretty good. I like it. Hey, it's very right, right back at you. <laughs> <laughs> we were made for this, but this is our time to shine, finally. <laughs> hey, today we have uh, what I would call a very special episode. Uh, we have a mutual friend of ours who, in fact, has COVID-19 and is in isolation here in Singapore. He just came out of the hospital and is now in a dedicated isolation ward, uh, which is built inside of a hotel, I think, right? A vacation resort of some sort, which they've uh, transformed into an isolation ward for patients who don't need immediate medical care, uh, but who are still testing positive, so it cannot, who cannot be released into the general population. And so he was kind enough, our friend, to uh, talk to us. Yeah, Adam Hodgkins, uh, he... We'll tell the story in just a moment, but he had traveled to the UK uh, and then felt ill not long after he got back. Um, this is actually becoming a bit of a common story here. Singapore has seen a spike in cases recently, many of them people coming back from abroad. And as you'll hear as he tells the story, I, I think it's really a testament to the efficacy of the Singaporean healthcare system and the way that they're dealing with uh, the COVID-19 crisis. And in many ways, our friend was lucky. He had a mild case of COVID-19, so he didn't need to go to ICU or anything like that. But as you'll hear from the way he describes things, and even from his voice, he was still quite heavily affected. So let's start our conversation with Adam. And uh, we are so glad he's on the mend, that he has moved into this new space. Uh, so let's do this check-in with him. I sort of look after my health um, because of my medical history and having had a mild heart attack five and a half years ago. So obviously with everything going on and being so close to China and what was happening in the Chinese New Year, I was very aware of keeping myself well. So when I went to the UK, I, I was feeling pretty good, but I wasn't feeling 100%. I was, I was feeling okay, but, but nothing more than mildly under the weather. Not that it was enough to really even begin to concern me. And then on the Thursday, that would have been the 12th of March, I began to feel a bit poorly. So I went and got myself some paracetamol. On the Friday morning, when I was taking the flight back to Singapore, I, I sort of took some more paracetamol. I didn't feel particularly unwell, but enough to, to feel that I should wear a face mask. Um, so I wore a face mask on the plane all the way home. I presented myself to the medical officials at Changi Airport and said, look, I've, I've not been feeling that great. Um, could you take my temperature just in case? And my temperature was normal, 38, 
And um, I, I came home. I hadn't slept at all on the plane, um, for not, not because I was feeling poorly, but there was a screaming child two seats in front of me um, who screamed the whole 13 hours. <laughs> Um, okay. <laughs> which was not great and um, so I sort of went to bed slept for three hours took it pretty easy and I felt just really jet lagged and, and tired I hadn't slept that well whilst I'd been in the UK and then um, my wife and I went out for lunch on Saturday just a, a little cafe at the top of the road went home had a very easy afternoon, uh, but I woke up on Sunday morning with a with a raging temperature, 38.8. So I went straight to hospital. They sent me home. They they I was very impressed with how they sort of triaged me. I was considered to be low risk because my, my temperature had gone down again. And then they called me about half an hour later and said, come back to the hospital. NCID want you to be tested. I was ambulanced from... Parkway East Hospital to NCID and went through an incredibly stringent, um, I had a chest x-ray, I was medically examined, my temperature was taken and I was again deemed to be low risk and sent home and then the following morning at eight o'clock I got a call saying you've tested positive for COVID, we're sending an ambulance and you're coming straight into the isolation ward. That's so that's, that's right? really that's the timeline. Even, even though you had no symptoms and you were considered low risk, uh, did you still test it positive? Yeah, and and I think I think that's the thing that I mean, certainly Amy, my wife, and I have been discussing that. You know, my my actual physical symptoms have been relatively mild. Okay, when I went into hospital, the first three days were pretty rough, actually. They, 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 but not so much in terms of I had a fluey cold or the shivers or particularly high temperature. I just ached all across my body and particularly across my chest, which was very worrying. The, the x-ray they took at the, the first test um, showed that the infection had gone into my lungs. The second x-ray they took on the Tuesday, so day two into my hospital isolation, showed my lungs had deteriorated and they were genuinely quite concerned. They put me on a transmitted um, monitor so I could be monitored all the time in terms of my blood oxygen, my respiration rate and my heart rate. So it was, it, I wasn't in ICU, but they were really, the next stage would have been probably to get me somewhere a little bit safer uh, with more more equipment, but they, it never really felt like that. And my temperature never really went up. They put this weird device on me that measured my temperature and transmitted it all the time to the um, to the to the nursing desk. You weren't in isolation, right? You did have a, a roommate, but what's it like to know that you're in a room, essentially in isolation? <laughs> um, it's I've never been. In that situation, I mean, it's a completely new situation to me. You know me, I'm pretty social. Um, I enjoy company. Um, my roommate was a 20 year old Spanish or 22 year old Spanish student who was at times desperately homesick and, and wanting to get home to Barcelona. We were sort of a little bit of support to each other. It was weird because you were in a room with a glass door and a window. Every time someone came into the room they were in gowns masks uh face masks gloves every time they took your your 
blood pressure. After they've taken your blood pressure, they completely wiped down the machine before it left the room. They then took off their disposable gown, their gloves, and those were disposed of. So every time they came into the room, they used a new gown, at least one set of gloves, sometimes two set of gloves, if they saw both of us. And uh, the, the amount of equipment that was being used. One of the things that struck me, I, I, I said to the doctor about day three, I said, God, I, I, I'm so impressed by how you're dealing with all of this. And he said, we have been practicing this for 10 years. Oh. So they, they in Singapore have been practicing this since the SARS outbreak. That's interesting, right? Especially if you compare it to the West, where not yeah. only are they handling the situation not quite as effectively now, but you know they haven't been prepared for this. No. I, now I've been transferred out of the hospital into what is effectively a, a, a trade union hotel. You, this doesn't happen overnight. This takes, this takes planning. And, and, and a long-term strategy that they, they've realized that, you know, a pandemic or an epidemic is, is not a question of if it happens, it's just when it happens. And when it happens, we need to have enough equipment and we need to have all the sort of the, the things in place that's going to keep our population safe. Well, that's absolutely true. And I, I have to say, for my part, I've been impressed with Singapore's response. You know, that's borne out. They, they've been one of the more successful countries so far i did i didn't answer your question bill about how was it being in isolation mm. um it's tough it's it's really tough mentally i think it's probably one of the hardest things i've had to do over a long period of time um i'm what i'm day 12 now it, it it's hard not going into any detail but we've had a bit of a family bereavement this 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 week and on my wife's side, someone she was very close to, a cousin in South Africa, and not being able to be there to support her, it, it sort of led to a pretty low period for both of us. Um, you, your emotions get very heightened. Small things that you'd probably normally deal with really easily, you, you, you don't cope. And and it, it's tough, but but you you pull through them, and and you know you thank God for technology that we've been able to speak to each other and FaceTime each other every day. We probably speak five or six times a day. We play online games together. We eat our meals together virtually, which is slightly <laughs> bizarre, but but it, it's you know, technology has made this a lot easier. But it it don't don't underestimate. Uh, yeah, mentally, how difficult emotionally it is to sort of just keep yourself buoyant, um, you know, just keep yourself going, not not having physical contact with someone, um, not being able to put your arm around them and make sure they're okay and comfort them is hard, is really hard. She's been in isolation too, right? Yes. Um, so as soon as I was confirmed... She was given um, an order by MOH, a Section 15-1 order. So she's not been allowed to leave the house for, um, for well, for the same amount of time. She's, she will be released on Monday. Um, we have to, we, well, I'm now under the same order, being here, not in hospital. We record our temperature three times a day. We do it more, but we have to officially record it. Um, 
we get called up by MOH three times a day just to tell us so, so that they're keeping a track of us to make sure that we're okay and our temperatures haven't spiked. I think the thing that I have to say has 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 been a huge help is the way in which your friends and family, the the, the contact and communication and the support you get is is humbling. People who we've known for less than two years have been in touch with Amy every day. Does she need food? Does she need anything? Um, can we drop anything around at the house? People have come around and taken our dog for a walk. It, it's been very humbling how people have pulled together that you know we haven't we we haven't got a huge history with. Uh, it's not like they're lifelong friends. I think that's one of the things about being a foreigner working abroad. You build those friendships and relationships a lot quicker than you do possibly back home. I would agree with that. That's something we experienced when we moved to Singapore. And, and hey, you know, you and Amy, Adam, you're just likable. <laughs> <laughs> That's very kind. Thank you. It does help. That's, That's very kind. kind. Yeah, that does help with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My experience yeah. is the opposite. Please. <laughs> <laughs> when you are allowed out are they giving you any sense of what you do what happens from there um yeah that, that's a really good question one of the really depressing things about day one here and you've been reading the, the the piece i've been putting out on a daily basis was back in the hospital i was being swabbed every day and even though you knew the swabs were going to come back positive it was really nice to know that there's a, just a chance that one of them is going to be negative, you know, that, okay, I've got this little sort of slightly runny nose, but maybe today is going to be negative. Now, at the moment, I don't know when I'm going to be swabbed next. Yeah, and also, my, my order says that I am sanctioned until 30th of April. So, so the long stop is the 30th of April. I hope and pray is not when I'm going to come out of isolation. Um, I will come out of isolation when I get two negative swabs. And my understanding is if they take a swab and it, uh, it, it's negative, they will take an, another swab the next day. Uh, that's my understanding. I'm not expecting to be swabbed probably until Monday. So I'm here for the weekend. Uh, Monday may come come and go and there may be no swabs. I, I don't know. So that sort of was a bit of a downer when I found that out because it was actually quite nice to have that sort of reassurance that they were they were taking, you know, stock of where you were. Um, what happens when I come out, when I get two negatives, I'm discharged. Uh, they discharge my MOH order and I go home. I get a taxi um, from here back home. And I assume that I... I, I, I join the rest of the general public and I social distance, um, but I will be allowed to go out to the shops and buy my own food. But uh, I think Amy and I have already decided that we will probably pretty much self-isolate and continue to self-isolate. For Amy, it's quite different. We, we, we believe that Amy has had COVID-19. Uh, she hasn't been tested um, because she hasn't had really, she's been completely asymptomatic. She hasn't run a temperature. She's not had a cough, uh, no aches. She she was quite stressed 
earlier on this week, but but she's fine now. But we are pretty much convinced that, you know, given that we spent 24 hours together after I came back from the UK in reasonable proximity to each other, that she she will have been inf- infected. So my concern is that when she comes off of quarantine on Monday, and if she's not tested, how do they know she's clear? Other than the fact that she's not shown any symptoms. So what I've we've discussed, and I've said that she must try to insist that they test her. Whether they will or not is another thing. If they don't, our plan will be that she stays at home. Uh, she'll carry on working from home. She won't go in, back into her office, although her office is working split split locations. So, so she would probably self-isolate for another two weeks, but I would be at home with her. Right. Yeah, basically, uh, that would mean that you would join the social distancing that's underway now in Singapore. Basically, everybody is incited to stay at home as much as possible. And yeah. Really most people aren't going out uh, to eat or stuff like that. Yeah. 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 The bonus I have, according to the doctors, is, is I will be immune for at least three months. Oh, they at aren't telling you three that. Months. Yeah. They, they, they said the, the virus will obviously evolve. And the, the, the chances are that my immune system, you know, as a minimum, it will be three months that so I will be fine. Do we have any indication of whether or not it's likely that one would catch it the second time and if the consequences would be the same as the first time around after those three months? I can only say what I've been told. And at the moment, they're saying once I have it, I can't get it again. I've done a little bit of reading and and I said, look, how long will I not be able to get it for? And their honest answer was, we don't know, but we are pretty certain you'll be absolutely fine for three months. I, th- I think the general, the general sort of consensus is that this will not disappear and it will re-emerge again. Um, and the second wave will will not be as dramatic as the, the first wave and then gradually the herd will get immunity and there'll be fewer and fewer people to infect and the thing will die away. I'm not going to wander around thinking that I'm immune from this for the rest of my life. Like measles, I, I, I truly believe that um, I would be able to catch it again within three months. Um, but that's me just being super, super cautious. Well, Adam, we don't want to wear you out, but we are anxious to see you when you get out. We're, we're good friends. We, we go out to uh, lunch and dinner and we go on hikes and we get together socially. So we're waiting for you to get out and to get together again. Yeah, well, I, I have to say I can't wait to get out. <laughs> yeah, I can only imagine. I can only imagine. It's, uh, it's an interesting time, but hey, there are plenty of people who are in a lot worse places than I am. So, um, you know, I'm very lucky. I'm very, very lucky, and I'm lucky to be in this country uh, and how well prepared they've been. And, and I have just nothing but praise for the staff who looked after me in the hospital and the cheery nature they, they dealt with me every day and the fact that every day they come in and every day they are risking themselves and their health for the good of others. Uh, it's very humbling. These people truly are heroes. I think we cannot insist on that enough. And I think uh, yep. both Bill and I share share your sentiment that we're truly lucky to be in Singapore. I think it's one of the best places to be right now. 
course, we're in a, in a somewhat awkward position because we have to worry about family and friends who aren't so lucky. Uh, mm-hmm. So, but, but, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, again, I, we really appreciate you taking the time and the energy to, to share this story with us. And I really also be very thankful for your daily updates. Uh, Adam's been sending us daily updates through WhatsApp just to keep us posted on his, how he's doing health-wise and on his uh, experience going through isolation. And I think that's been truly, truly very useful and informative for all of us, just even just to psychologically prepare ourselves for what might come. You know, uh, yeah. this might hit any of us. It's not. It's not truly altruistic. I can promise you. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we'll take it either way. <laughs> okay. We'll take, we'll take it. Well, and you know, looking when I forward say, to looking forward to having a beer with you guys. Yes. Absolutely, virtual or otherwise. Even if we have to self-contain, we'll do it on Zoom or whatever. Yes. We'll yeah, virtual. absolutely. And if we're still allowed okay, to guys. do it in person, it'll be a meter or two away. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure we can manage that. Okay. All right. Thanks a lot, Adam. You guys stay safe, okay? You stay too. safe. Human. And, and, Take and care. Keep healthy. Cheers. Okay. Again, thanks very much, Adam. Adam Hodgkins. Uh, really, frankly, um, an inspiring story, I think, to hear of someone who has gone through this, is now on the mend. Um, and we really appreciate his taking the time and coming on the podcast. Absolutely. And he's really been insisting on the fact when he talks to us and, and, uh, and the other friends of our, of our group of expats here that we should stay at home and uh, socially isolate as much as possible. And I think when you, uh, yeah, when, you, we, we, when it gets this close, because this is really the, the first time for me at any rate that it's come this close, definitely drives home the importance of, the, the importance of that message, right? Be responsible. It is about being responsible. And you, you still hear incidents of people who do, frankly, dumb things here in yeah. Singapore. And it just makes me shake my head. It's unbelievable. I, I, I guess it's easy to think that everything's okay and that you're not going to get sick uh, because it's, it's an invisible enemy, right? It's something that's perhaps too abstract for our minds to deal with. Yeah, yeah. It's um, yeah, like a war, kind of, but yeah, you can't see the enemy. You know, one other thing, just before we wrap up here, and we're going to kind of call this the good news, but I won't bring in the music quite yet, is you and I have been having a lot of conversations about people's reactions in this environment and fear. And we're kind of in agreement that you can't do fear. It's not good. You have to resist. You have to resist. It's so easy to succumb to it. Because if, if, if you're tied to the news the whole day and you're going through wave of wave after wave of countries finally figuring out how bad the situation is and they need to go into lockdown and then people online discovering and discussing the death rate, the mortality rate of the virus. It's just, it's, it's overwhelming and it takes away your agency. And I think that it, that that's just not good for you. And you, 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 you get stuck in this, in this, endless torrent of negativity and bad news, right? Yeah. And as you implied, it takes away your agency. And I don't think we should feel that way. There's actually a lot of things going on. 
at the governmental level, at the independent civil society level, I'm talking about researchers and corporations, uh, and at the individual level where we can we can do stuff. We don't need to feel helpless in the face of this. There are things that are getting done and that we can do. Now, it might not... <laughs> It won't work for everybody. I'm not trying to dismiss this and say that there isn't a real problem out there. But the moment we give in to fear and panic, we've really lost the battle against this virus. Do you think that for some people, giving in to that fear and panic um, gives them back their agency in some way? That they feel like staying up to date... And, and, and drowning themselves in all this negativity is, is, is a way for them to act somehow, to somehow make a difference in their own lives? Hmm. Wow. Uh, it, it, it does, right? But so, like being informed makes you feel empowered, right? Um, mm. Rather than just being ignorant of what is going on. So that it makes sense to me from that dimension. Um, but <laughs> I would argue it's the wrong kind of agency. <laughs> yeah, I think so. That we, yeah, we need to uh, moderate. F Look, fear makes total sense. Fear motivates concern, and concern motivates action. But I guess right. I just want to make sure that we get to the action part and don't just dwell in the fear. Right, exactly. Get to the action part. And I think as an individual, there, like you said, there's, there, there, there's loads of things that, you can do right you can be socially responsible so stay at home as much as possible practice good personal hygiene and i think that another thing that is a very positive thing to do is lean into kindness and compassion towards your family and the people close to you and try to if anything contribute something positive to the life of someone you know right even if there's really not that much that you can do just at least try to make someone's i don't know someone's day better by saying something nice or something lean into kindness i think that's really what we need see and that's why i said this would end up being the good news this is the good news this is it this is the good news be nice to one another be nice to one another it's too bad that <laughs> that many people had to because die for us to realize that we have to be nice <laughs> to each other but hey right pretty typical i think unfortunately yeah. yeah, you know, the, the, the virus is trying to fuck us all over. So let it do that part and right. we'll be nice to one another. Exactly. Yeah. Let's wrap up for this week. Uh, Nikolai, it's been good not seeing, or no, seeing you, but Great. not being near hold, you. Hold on. Or, not talk. Yeah, it's never a pleasure to be near. Hold on. <laughs> Let's just wrap <laughs> up here. It's all very confusing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm supposed to feel good about this. I, I, I just, uh, I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, thanks for listening, everybody. And uh, be nice to one another and, and uh, stay strong. Wash your hands. Please be kind and talk soon. <laughs>